can't never stop working hard. Each day I feel I have to improve. Hard work, determination. I've got to keep pushing myself. Hello and welcome to hi the only show that thinks a flying sidekick is Tonto on a Pegasus. Throw your nunchucks in the air and wave them like I just don't care. We've got a very special episode of Blossom. I mean, hi for you tonight. Okay, <laughs> folks, we're finally going back and picking up our discussion topic that mysteriously fell off of episode one, as well as news and a media mop-up Donnie Yen Mini Film Festival. And we're going to be doing it all with our first in-studio guest host, interviewee, Big Alan Carroll. How you doing, Big Al? Just another Dave in paradise. <laughs> another Dave in paradise, that's right. <laughs> okay. Does, does um, anyone have two tickets to that paradise, just out of curiosity? Yeah. No, but I have one. But, but, but the train <laughs> leaves tonight. <laughs> yeah. So pack your bags. <laughs> What was that? Oh, never mind. Um, <laughs> okay, so before we get on with the, with the regular show, I think there's a topic uh, that's uh, very important to all of our listeners and to us here in the room as well that we really need to touch on. Uh, Magnificent Jay, how were your barfing squirts? Dude, I had the absolute <laughs> worst. I, it, was, it was a short disease, was but it, it was a disease nonetheless, and I, I wanted to die. It was... Uh, Ah, uh, sounds like, like three it was days. a little long instead of it was, short. It was like three whole days where I was just, oh. Okay, well, I'm Every glad y'all invited me on the podcast today. I got to go. <laughs> Thanks, but, uh, so, hey, this is Big Al, and you can check me at BigAl.com. <laughs> this is the, no, this, to be fair, Wait, this, this is, is the first time. This is classy stuff, man. Yeah, Hang this, on. To be, this is the first time we've gotten around to uh, you know puking and shitting, so. Yeah, but time, I have a feeling yeah. it'll come up again. No pun intended. Uh, <laughs> also, we've got uh, a lot of stuff going on with uh, our media presence. Uh, Craig, if you want to step in and tell them a little bit about what they can look for on the uh, website front coming up. Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Thanks uh, for throwing me that curveball, Dave. I was Surprised unprepared for that. Yeah, yeah, you did. But that's all right. That's all right. Yeah, hiapodcast.com. It is going to be our uh, home away from home, if you would, and where you guys can easily download uh, the podcast episodes, where you'll be able to uh, subscribe via iTunes or your any other preferred method. Uh, <clears throat> we'll also publish the show notes for each episode, as well as links to things we talk about. There'll be a lot of good things, but uh, slow to roll as we're getting started here. And uh, you're going to see the website popping up uh, on your browser here pretty shortly. I imagine uh, within the next week or two after this episode is aired, actually. Actually, it should be by the time this episode airs. Uh, yeah, true. We're running a little behind with things. We'll get caught. So what is your preferred method, just out of curiosity? Uh, right hand, actually, <laughs> while the wife is away. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a lefty. Are you? Yeah, I'm a southpaw. It feels like he's getting some strange with the left. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, know. you can do that. No, with that's your... it because I'm totally right-handed. Well, let's talk after well, the recording. Sit on, hand we got it, deal here. sit on your hand till it goes to sleep, and that'll take care of that. There you go. <laughs> you get that stranger effect. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can see. You. I like the way this podcast is going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Real class act. So, um, why don't we just uh, segue right on into this? Uh, oh, intro. Yeah. 
We got uh, we got Big Al here finally. So you've already heard us tell colorful stories about him on the uh, previous two podcasts. Hopefully you've been paying attention. If not, go back and do that immediately. Uh, Yes, he's also known as Alan Carroll, not just Big Al. (laughs) Oh, he has a last name. (laughs) (laughs) I have a last name. Uh, (laughs) So it would appear. So I'm calling my mother as soon as we get through with this, (laughs) and she's dead. So I'm going to have to call heaven. Sorry, Mom. Well, at least the charges on that are terrible. Yeah, Yeah. but Uh, not in today's age. So, uh, yeah, that's Alan Carroll with uh, two R's and two L's. Whose idea was that? I think it was my great, 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 great grandfather's. Well, there was no shortage of those things back then. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Let's let's go ahead and get a full picture of of large Marge out there. I mean, Big Al out there for the people. Um, start start out with your early days because you were you were a very large child, but a skittish child, and you found uh, you found boxing. If yeah, right. I was born a poor black child. Uh, <laughs> all right, all right. I ate Steve still Steve Martin so early. Yeah. Oh, no, actually, uh, this was actually kind of cool, and I'll just come up very quickly. Uh, I had my uh, stepbrother. I went to his funeral, and I saw my coach. His name is Chris Hatch, and hadn't seen him in 45 years. And when I went up to him, he knew who I was. And I went, Chris, how in the world do you remember me? He said, I didn't have too many kids who were 10 years old and six foot tall. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, that's basically how I got started actually in the boxing. uh, In 1963, I walked into a gym behind a YMCA, Hmm. and Moses Jones was the uh, was an old middleweight champion back in the 30s and 40s and 50s and any relation to Davy here? No, no, no. That is they such but an uncommon last name. That is yeah. a spectacular fucking name, though. And Moses so, Jones. And so <laughs> I'm Jesus. sitting back I'm, there. I'm totally and so jealous. he, I walked into his little cinder block building. This is the middle of Orlando, Florida. People, if you haven't been there, it's hot. So, <laughs> so I walk in the back. He looks at me and he's going. White boy, what in the hell are you here for? And I said, I'm tired of being scared. And he goes, fair enough. <laughs> so, <Damn>. enough <laughs> that, so it's all been downhill since then. So, you know, it was a, uh, it was, the problem was, is that when you're 10 years old and you're six foot tall and weighed about 180 pounds, you didn't have anybody your age to fight. No. Nope. There were guys 16, 17, 18 years old that knew how to fight or at least street fight. Hell, I had little girls in the neighborhood beating me up, and I was so scared of my own shadow. So I had to do something. I decided I just didn't want to get knocked around anymore. So, you know, hey, I went and did boxing. Nobody heard of karate. or Kung fu was non-existent in 1963. None yeah. of us had heard of that stuff. You might Although, get actually, judo or it something. was actually beginning to come in from all the servicemen who were over in, like, Okinawa and everything over the 50s. But uh, so, I, you know, I started my career. And, Instead of being the great white hope, I was the great white dope. <laughs> and uh, it was just a, you know, wonderful chance just to, you know, box around a little bit and, you know, had a chance, you know. I fought 108 fights, 15 of them professionally. Uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Got to stop you there. 108. 108 now, points. did you come up with that number after you got into Chinese martial arts? No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I actually found that this was actually, it's been, it's, it was actually part of my previous lifetime stuff. Dave will elaborate on that later. All right. And <laughs> so it actually happened to where I'll, all of a sudden I ended with 108. Now, I didn't know what 108 meant. And so somebody actually handed me a Buddhist bead thing, the 100, 100, 108 beads. <laughs> so I went, hey, so did the Buddhists actually copy me? 
Only if each one of those 108 beads causes a little bit of brain damage. <laughs> <laughs> now, wait a minute. I've been hitting the head a lot, and you know it, David. It hadn't affected me. It hadn't affected me. It hadn't affected me. It hadn't affected me. So I, I really do appreciate y'all allowing me to come on the program. Today. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> yeah, so maybe, maybe tell us what your last pro fight was like. I lost. <laughs> oh, and I lost really bad. Therein um, lies the story behind why he last, right? Well, no, and it was actually the great thing about it is, is that the guy laid off of me. He owned me from before the bell rang. Uh, so he owned me for the whole thing. It was just a seven round fight. And I was really lucky. They were tuning him up for something better. And I just don't know why they chose me. But it was one of those things I filled in. I actually made a career of actually filling in almost like a, you know, somebody would call me up, somebody got hurt, and three weeks later I got to go fight. Tell like, like Tex Cobb. Teacher. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> exactly. So the guy laid off on me. I, I gave him a big hug, kissed him, asked him, you want to go out later? But so he left me alone. He didn't do me ugly. And don't either one of y'all say anything. <laughs> so, you know, it was, it, it was great. I walked out with whatever number of brain cells I have. Right, and that was it. I realized that you know, the talent level at that level uh, was down on the ground, and they're up in the stratosphere. I mean, it was amazing the difference in talent. So, well, you know, that brings up. I'm, I'm glad you saved enough brain to talk to us tonight. Yeah, that brings up an interesting thing that we that we might want to talk about in the future is you know those different levels of. Uh, of, of martial arts or combat science, if you will, at what point do you stop? Do you want to take it to a professional level? You know, and what's the difference? An amateur, a hobbyist, that sort of thing. Uh, that's a good point. And yeah. especially in this ground and pound thing, you know, if you look at the how, you know, some of these guys are getting done ugly. And if you're going to go into ground and pound and you're not going to make any money at it and you're going to go hard – there's just it's way too much damage to the body. Hey, to be fair, some of those guys didn't have a very long trip, so <laughs> yeah. <Indeed. laughs> well, that's the you know it's uh, as long as we're let's just run with this. Uh, they they do seem to have fewer serious head injuries though compared to boxing. Well, initially you know now the we, cauliflower ears and all that. Well, crap. initially yeah. you know Gracie when they dominated, it all just came wrestling. It just all goes to submissive on the ground. But now more and more, Helio. more and more boxing is a part of it. And you're looking at these guys. A lot of them are getting their faces all cut up. They're yeah. again the cauliflower ears. It's is getting the main closer thing. to you're boxing. You're gonna get busted nose. You know, you're gonna get hurt. And most of the damage actually comes in practice, not actually in the ring. Oh, yeah. Right. Like, so while you're training, you're just you're you you've got to be able to train realistically, so you're going to get popped. Yeah, what's that guy's name? He um, you know kind of got arrested for trying to assassinate uh, President Obama. Uh, that guy, yeah, used to actually be UFC. Um, used to actually oh, the be one an that was MMA prowling fighter. around outside the, the Capitol crazy with guy the gun. said, "I'm yeah. Jesus" and all that good oh, stuff. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He uh, he actually fought in a sanctioned fight and all that good stuff, but. You got to ask yourself, you know, at what point did the brain damage come in? You know, was he yeah. always that way? I don't know. Well, you know, he got into it in the first place, but <laughs> oh, <come laughs> I'm on, just kidding, on. just kidding. Well, you know, it, there is a a lot of truth to that. You know, people who actually get into fighting, whether it's boxing or MMA, you're you're just not a little right. I mean, there's something wrong with you <laughs> when you want to go stick your head in a fan. You know? Yeah, yeah true. 
At least they can hope to get paid for it. (laughs) We just like the pain. We just do it on a whim. Right. (laughs) That looks dangerous. Let's go do that. (laughs) All right. So uh, moving along here with your history, uh, you were also a professional baseball player for a brief period of time. Yeah, actually, I graduated from high school, went and played for the Padres. I had stood in there for four weeks, got cut to a farm club and decided, well, that wasn't going to work. So uh, somehow I... Snake got it back into college, and NCAA is pretty darn particular. If you take their money, you can't play for it. So my dad did something, so I don't know what it was. <laughs> Hopefully, the statute of limitations is run on that. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know how it worked, but uh, but now I got a chance to go to college instead. So there you go. There you go. So, got, got some exercise. So, for and, those and, that, and again, when we talk about talent level, you know, I I thought I was a pretty good ball player in town. Bottom line, you get in the pros and you go, oh, my God. And it's not OMG, guys. It's oh, my God. <laughs> and not with a W either. With subtitles and exclamation points and everything. The, 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 at the professional level, you know, when they say one out, you know, one out of every hundred people make it as an athlete, it's probably more like one out of 10,000. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, know, it's, sure. a, it's a – very small club, and you have to be very, very good at it to be get into the club. No, I think when they're saying one out of a hundred, they're they're talking people that already play for big universities or whatever, and yeah. and have at least an opportunity at that career path at that point. But yeah, and when you look at college, yeah. college, you know, we have hundreds of college programs and colleges where if you're fielding a football team and average forty four people on a football team, there's a lot of spots. But if you look at, we've got sixteen NFL teams. Whatever the number is, twenty-four. Whatever the number is, I that's counted at a forty-four. <laughs> in other words, the number becomes very, very small once you graduate into the pros. Right. Yeah, true. So. True. Um, so uh, Tang Sudo, tell us about your time doing that because you were the yeah. last person I would ever expect to do something with lots of high here, kicks. Here. And, I know. I loved and, uh, it one time. Dave and I, you know, after a, a whole bunch of tequilas on his back deck, you know, Dave <laughs> likes to spar when he's got a lot of tequila in him. Of course. It hurts less. Only time to spar. We're actually doesn't? back there. We take our shirts off. We're being men, they men. <laughs> and so all of a sudden. Frightening the children. Dave is, I'm sitting waiting back, and Dave, you can see he's building in him. He's going to make that charge. And as soon as he steps, I front kick him right in the solar plex. He goes back, and he goes, Big Al, I never would have thought you could Kick me. <laughs> was it one of those heel kicks? Right. Yeah. No, front sit. Front kick. Right yeah. in the toe. Ball, nice. ball, it was foot. the toe. I, nice. I buried in that fat belly. Head. I mean, in the. Oh, hey, now. I never would have guessed it either, but that's awesome to hear. So, I mean, the whole thing was, and here's where I really blew it. I actually met Francis Fong in 1975. 75. And he just was opening up his Wing Chun school, and he was doing all this Chinese stuff, hopping around on one leg and doing all this stuff, and I had no clue what that was. I was still boxing, and so when I went to an actual couple of different karate schools, I went, well, you know, this looks more, eh, one, two, three, punch, yeah. one, two, mm-hmm. three, punch. You know, so it, it, it seemed to fit. And I walked over, and when I saw Francis Fong stuff, they were doing, they would hop on one leg around the room, and then they would do all this other weird style calisthenics and exercises. So I didn't know what I saw, and so I actually went Tung Su Do. You know, it would have could have been a nice little trip if I'd have gone stay with Francis Fong for a while, get a little... I don't know, man. Most of that Chinese stuff is kind of fairy to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, no. And ever since I've met you, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Here, here. Wait, wait, wait. So you guys know each other, right? Oh, maybe. (laughs) No, we just picked this guy up on the street on the way in. 
He had a sign that said, Will Kung Fu for food. He yeah, did. I, plus actually, the I had a sign that said, Authentic Kung. Oh, no. <laughs> and I'm taking this poster around to everybody. It says, authentic Kung Fu, taking it to everybody. Everybody's looking at my poster going, man, this is great. And it's a big 18 by 24 silk screen poster that I paid money He just got a, like 100 I know, I got 100 <laughs> Bring them out of the back of my car. Everybody's telling me they're great. And see Put that little grin the Dave has on his everywhere. face? That's exactly the same grin he had. And he goes, big Al, yeah, where's the foo? <laughs> now I've had 25 people see this thing and nobody got it but Dave these are all other kung fu people well that's because they didn't I, have the and food and I flip they it over and look you. and go oh my god now it's bad enough that <laughs> I paid for it that I, that I, it's bad enough that I paid for it and it was misspelled but it had to be him that caught it because he loves to every once in a while bring it up and go, authentic Kung. Huh? <laughs> authentic Chinese Kung. That's right. <laughs> no wonder you didn't give me any callbacks on that. <laughs> so, well, see, uh, he left out the foo because nobody had the foo until and, they and, came and, to you. And to really, if you're interested more about that, just send me your email address and I'll send you Dave's personal phone number. <laughs> <laughs> That's BR549. Yeah. We can edit that out, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Tong Sudo, anything else to say about that? No, you know, the one thing I did like about it, and I did like Master Chung. He was really a pretty cool guy. And, and if you're familiar with Korean arts, they love to kick high. That's everything about it. So, actually, I actually could kick high and do some things. It actually got, it took my body in a different direction than I would have. I didn't get any of that unboxing. You know, we don't kick in box. Right. So, you know, the whole point was, is I got to be able to exercise the lower part of my body. I was actually starting with doing with Dr. Cohagen doing uh, yoga at the time. Oh. <clears throat> so it was adding to the process. I was, you know, be able to, I could actually throw a fairly decent roundhouse kick. It just simply added some extra layers. But when it always came down to it, I'm just going to lower my head and chase you around the ring. You know, I'm going to box. <laughs> you know, so. While we run. So, uh, so Shingy was a more natural fit for you then. Well, <laughs> what the hell is that thing? Well, and you know, I had the new kid today, and he asked me, "So, why did you pick Shingy over Bagua?" And I go, "Because it's a better art." <laughs> I mean, what are you talking about? You know, most of the Bagua guys wear dresses. I'll be mean, skirting. No, never mind. Uh, no, actually, it's, it's called a kilt. And, and I go, it's, it's is it not if it's not tilted i don't want to know about it. <laughs> no but it flies up when i spin we're oh. just going to systematically insert restaurant names well, in, we're not getting pie. paid well, for yeah, is it chilies in here it, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh hickory but uh but no i mean you know even at dave's wedding you know Dave's wife wasn't the only one that wore a dress to the wedding. So. <laughs> of course. That's right, and I look damn good in it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so no, you know, it was just a, uh, um, Shingy was just a, it's a straightforward, in-your-face art. And that is what my is style Shingy? of fighting. What is Shingy? Is it I Chinese? I, For some of our listeners who aren't familiar with this Yeah, don't weird play name. ignorant over there, but yeah, we probably should. <laughs> there are other people listening to this. So. Yeah. Why don't you explain what Shingy is? Wait a minute. You say there are actually people listening to this? <laughs> yes. Okay, everything I just said, I just made up. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, Shingy is a very aggressive, some people call it a linear art. That is not true. It is an advancing art. 
It's simply occupy their space. We are the aggressor. I, and personally, I believe that who's ever the most aggressive soonest in a fight usually wins. So the bottom line is, is we don't dance. We simply, and I actually have a very, okay, this is for all you old people out there. If you know who Jack Benny was. If you actually look <laughs> at his old stand-up yeah. routine, he stands with one hand under his chin and his other hand under his elbow. Santi. <clears throat> and it's a very non-aggressive, non-threatening stance. But once you put your hands up in a guard position, it's game on. So I believe to being the aggressor. I'm not somebody, and you know, I'm not going to sit around and wait for you to do something. If we're going to fight, I'm going to live and die from the start. And I have done both. <laughs> <laughs> so it's okay. I, you know, I don't mind. I, you know, I, I would just rather, if we're going to go, I'm going to find out to what level you really want to go. So, yeah. Well, you know. The, and when you weigh 260 pounds, you have an advantage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've nearly pulled your big ass over on top of me and learned. <laughs> <laughs> learn the folly of my ways. <laughs> Be under a big owl blanket. Yep. <laughs> Splorch. One little hand twitching off us. <laughs> okay, sorry, I was daydreaming a minute there. Yeah, time, time to check it oil. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, so here's something uh, you've talked to me about a little bit before, but uh, I thought people might find this interesting. At one point, and you'll have to refresh me on when this was, but you actually went around the country Doing photography in martial arts studios. Yeah, I actually had. We went and uh, shot for about a year and a half, maybe close to two years. Went and shot portraits in martial arts schools. And this was back when I was doing Tung Soo Do. Mm -hmm. So it was great. I actually would go to a different karate school. We would bring in the equipment, bring in the backdrops, bring in the lights. And we did this with a medium format cameras. These were very high-end stuff. We'd shoot the pictures. Plus, it gave me an opportunity to spar with people that are were outside of our dojo of our school. Yeah. So I got an opportunity to actually really improve my style because you always get used to how other people spar and what have you in the school. So I got a, I got a lot of different people that I was able to uh, work out with. It was great. I made a lot of money, but I traveled the whole time and just got quite frankly, burnt out being on the road all the time. So, but it was a good experience. And it was amazing how little places like Little Rock, Arkansas, small little town, had like 20 karate schools there. Yeah. Of course, the ATA, the American Taekwondo Association, was there. That was their main office. But there were still so many schools. And it was amazing. When I got to Denver, there's, there was like two karate schools. And they were all kung fu schools. Huh. There were yeah, tons what are we doing and here? Tons yeah. and tons of, you know, <laughs> something wrong. Of Chinese martial arts schools. So it was, and again, I had no idea of what Chinese martial arts were. In fact, at a Tung Soo Do tournament, some guy came out, and again, they didn't have any other, the Fu guys didn't have any other place to go but a karate tournament if they wanted to do forms and stuff. Right. Uh, and that's some still guy true came out the there country. and did a drunken style form. And I was blown away at his athleticism. Philip Wong? I don't know who it was. Uh, he was, Philip Wong was a big This contender. guy was absolutely incredible. Everybody else is sitting there looking at him going, he's in pajamas. <laughs> but when we got through watching him 
And they're and they're going, and he rolled and fell. He rolled up on his face and jumped back up and stagger, stagger, crawl, 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 stagger, stagger. And but I was absolutely impressed and amazed. And, and that's when I actually started looking and going. I mean, I was the only one. I came out of the stands and went over and talked to the guy and shook his hand and go, "That's incredible." Now you know nobody's going to give you any points for this here because <laughs> you're, you're not Korean right and you're not trying to kick the ceiling and you're not <laughs> screaming enough. That's right, you know. <laughs> but it was it was it was a remarkable. And then all of a sudden, I just said, "Well, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to expand, see what it's really all about." But it still took a lot further before I actually did. Yeah. So you cooled off in Mexico for a while and came back and. Yep. <laughs> So how did you uh, how did you run across Alan Pittman? Well, originally in about '92, I started looking for I'm going to go I'm going to find some Chinese martial art school and go join. Well, looked in the yellow pages, found a couple. It, <laughs> it didn't seem the right fit for me. And where then was this? Was going, here in Atlanta? <clears throat> yes, here in Atlanta. Oh, okay. And then there's you know there's 30 places to go study karate. But there was only one or two places to go study Kung Fu. And I thought that it would be on every corner. It would be in a strip center. It would be next to every supermarket. But it was the whole philosophy of teaching was different, you know, from the Chinese perspective. And I had no idea. So, actually, I stumbled into Gary uh, Mitchell first. You know, Mitchell? doing his Hung Car. He, huh? he, you know, he was doing Hung Car at the Chinese theater? community yeah. center. Great guy. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> but I looked at Hungar, and I was too fat, out of shape, and overweight. I go, I can't do that. It'd kill me. <laughs> and then I said, I was actually looking for Tai Chi. Couldn't find anybody. And I actually met a guy named Glenn Morrell. And Glenn Morrell was the one. We actually had met. Another, we had a mutual friend, and we started going to Aikido tournaments. And I was thinking about doing Aikido. Actually, my two nephews were living with me at the time, and they were six and four. And I had them. They were going to a George Kennedy's Aikido school. Hmm. And so I was looking to go do that whole thing. And then all of a sudden I asked my friend, well, have you talked to Glenn lately? He said, oh yeah, Glenn's going to call you. So Glenn called me up and he'd been studying with Alan Pittman. And so I said, well, let's take a shot at it. And that was 18 years ago. Ooh. Okay. Now I really feel old. (laughs) (laughs) And you look old, but that's a story. (laughs) Yeah, but look Since at the pink I was shirt. Ten that's youthful. years old. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so you know, we won't harp on this too long. But uh, how was the training? How did you? Uh, how, how did everything come together for you there? Because obviously, you found a home. You're still this this far later. You're you're still doing it, teaching the public. Yeah. Well, the thing I did like about the way Alan taught his classes, they were very informal. I mean, it wasn't this idea. You know, the thing that I thought about when I couldn't find where I was having trouble finding some, you know, some Chinese martial art class to go to, I was going to go back to Tung Soo Do. And I was talking to all my Tung Soo Do buddies, and they go, Alan, you'll be up. Don't worry about it. You'll lose the weight in a year. You'll get your ranking back, blah, blah, blah. And I go, but there's one problem. I don't want to make some kid do knuckle push-ups. <laughs> I didn't want to have to go through that whole thing of that, you know, that same discipline I understand the discipline. I appreciate it. And there's a lot of kids really need it. And it's a very valuable thing. I just didn't want to do it again at 40 right. years old. Right. Right. So the whole point was that I was looking around going, well, and then I, like I said, study with Alan was very laid back. Um, he, <laughs> uh, 
Alan was very laid back, <laughs> but it was, I enjoyed the class and it was, he allowed me to be able to get myself back in shape at my own pace with occasionally making you push the bar, push the bar. And I liked it so much that I actually started doing it more and more. In fact, we know this from, since we all teach martial arts is that going to class is not enough. You have to practice this stuff every day. Mm -hmm. And I don't care if it's just for 30 minutes. 30 minutes a day, seven days a week is better than if you did that once or twice and you took all that same amount of time and did it just once or twice true, a week. True, true. A little bit every day counts. And so, you know, Alan started ingraining that in me. And the whole thing about, again, Xing Yi and this aspect of Bagua was that the structure, the alignment was the most important part. If you get the structure and alignment correct, the power will come. Mm-hmm. And he goes, you're already big, so you don't have to muscle this through. All you have to do is, 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 is actually do the form and let the body, the body, the structure will take over. All you got to do is step, the, the structure will come through. So it was, it was tough, except for the first time I was there, and actually I was mentioning that to Alan when he was over this past weekend, there were, he had two different students there, and one was very precise doing exactly every way Alan did it and the other one flopped around like a fish but when it came to application the guy that was very precise was kind of tin Off. tin cannon he was more like the tin man oh, right <laughs> and the other guy that flopped around just smacked me smacked me around at will and I went okay I want to be somewhere between the two of them you know? <laughs> so I just realized that I was going to have to put in the work it also gave me like I said I was grossly out of shape and grossly overweight so I said you know this is also my mechanism for getting back for getting shape. back into shape because right. it gives you something you want to do and, and you know and again it's just that idea of joy over willpower yeah, you know, right. if you the do something and you enjoy and, doing yeah. it, you'll have the willpower to want to go do it. So it has to be fun for you. Yeah, yeah it has yeah. to be. And the, and the good thing about it is that even you know sometimes I get cranky and act like a diva. You know, I still you know and I go I don't diva want to do this. Oh, it's 19 degrees outside. I don't want to go work out. What's wrong with the Chinese? <laughs> but you know, I get up and go do it anyway. So. And my what? good buddy Tom Carls came down. The guy's been doing shingy for 40 years. And yeah. he whacked me upside the head and reminded me of that over the week. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and yeah you, you told me at one point you were uh, just doing shingy by the mile. You dropped almost 100 pounds the first year you were doing it? Yeah, dropped 800 pounds. I was 375. Wow. Let me. I've got a question for Cannonball. you. Cannonball. <laughs> no pool left in the water. I mean, no water left in the pool. I've got a question for you. Um, just from you know knowing you the past few years and whatnot, uh, how does Stone Mountain play a part in, or has Stone Mountain played a part in your shingy trade? Well, I mean, for thirty-five dollars a year, you can get a you know you get an annual pass to Stone Mountain. It's a Mile and a half up, it's a mile and a half down, and it's the best cardio exercise on the planet. Wow. Um, and again, at, you know, I'm 59 years old. The average age of the people. I'm not. <laughs> oh. Well, and the advantage you have is you're not nearly as old as you look. Oh, <laughs> true indeed. True indeed. But. The great thing about going up Stone Mountain, I would say the average age, we see people, the same people go up almost every day or at least every week. And the average age is probably 65. Wow. 
So it's a great cardio thing. Um, I can go out and run three miles. My back or my knees will give out before my cardio does. So my body can't keep up with my cell respiration. Right. So my cardio is great. But my body... <laughs> yeah, well, okay. It's dead sexy. You ever tried doing some some linears up maybe the first half or, or a, a part of the mountain that's not so steep, but to give yourself a challenge? Come walk up the mountain one day and then ask me that. <laughs> I've been up and I'm not going <laughs> to. Yeah. Yeah, come ask me. Now, I've actually get on top of the mountain because it's really pretty. It's go- some days it's absolutely gorgeous up there. And I'll actually get up there and do qigong or some tai chi, or I'll even do some bog wall walking around. That there's a actual they got a little marker at the, at the, you know the actual yeah. top of the mountain, the center of the mountain. And I've actually, Missy's laughed at me, but I've actually walked circles around it. <laughs> but, uh, well, you won't get lost at least. Well, there yeah. you go. <laughs> you know where you are. <laughs> yeah, and I can't get any higher. Uh-huh. I don't- all right. <laughs> but the bottom line is it it is the uh, the best part of the cardio as opposed to I can't really run anymore and going to a gym and doing those elliptical machines you know they're a stagnant machine I'm standing in the same place at least I can go outside right. and you know and every day when I go up the mountain I thank the big bang there you yeah. go <laughs> for putting such a nice planet on yeah it's just gorgeous <laughs> yeah so yeah well, again, you know, exercising in a gym, uh, maybe part of the reason we do this stuff is I can't abide it. Hey, I don't enjoy it at all. I'd rather be outdoors. Me neither. I, I don't. Yeah, but you exercise. don't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? He's the mag. He's the mag J over here. <laughs> yeah, that's what well, he is. That. I'm not disputing that fact. My forearms are 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 tough. Look like pa- you look like Papa. Okay, okay, okay. All right, well, before we move on to the, uh, the uh, discussion topic that we've been promising for the last three shows, uh, <laughs> what's, what's next for you? What, are you, uh, what are you shooting to do in the next few years with, uh, with your shingy or with anything else? Uh, what should the people out there in podcast land be looking for? Retirement. Mm. <laughs> well, well, you don't have a job, do you? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um. And I don't pay 30% income tax. There you go. So, um, I don't know. You know, the the whole thing is, is what I'd really like to do is I keep looking at other systems. And I I love the old, the original art where Shingy came from. It's called Shin-E or heart. Um, They call it the the Muslim version, but I found out from, uh, you know, from somebody who actually teaches religion that there isn't a fighting art within the Muslim religions, but it was that Chinese community that just practiced by yeah, the right people. Had, right. Yeah. Had practiced their martial arts and happened to be Muslim. Um, but I keep going back to the idea of just sticking with, of just getting down to Xingyi. I want, I've got a handful of people. I really like to get them to where they're basically on their own. Uh, I really don't have somebody as yet that somebody that I could say, this is who I would think that would be the, that would carry on that I could say, you know, carry on what I've taught, but that doesn't mean that they're not there. They just, maybe they haven't progressed right. yet mm-hmm. to there to get to there. 
So again, it's just sometimes I sit around and maybe it's arrogant, but sometimes when I see bad Shingy and think about, you know, I think I want to quit, and then I see how horrible some Shingy is, I can't, I, I can't quit. Got <laughs> to <laughs> get out there and save the world. For well, that I mean, that's right. exactly. <laughs> I think we all know yeah. that feeling. Yeah. yeah. Just look and, at and YouTube. If I gave, and if I gave up Shingy and people just started doing Bagua, oh my. No, no. We I mean, would take over immediately if it right. wasn't the for the bulwark of Shingy. Yeah. You know. At least the Northern Shaolin guys would stay out of the range. You'd be cutting across the circle. He'd be doing the circle, and we'd just be <laughs> dancing around both of y'all, just saying, oh, that's silly. <laughs> <laughs> and it is. In a grass skirt. No, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I, I would love to see if, I would love to have somebody just step up and say they really want to get through the system and same stuff and to learn and actually do something and possibly teach later on. But right now I do want to actually improve my shinging and I've been doing it for 18 years. And, you know, there was this whole idea that when, when I got a black belt, when I was doing Tung Sudo that we had arrived and, but master Chung goes, you just know, you just graduate from kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> what it meant was what he was saying is that right. you're now trainable. And we in the United States think, oh, we've arrived. I got a black belt. I'm going to open up a school. I'm going to go home and frame this. And I've only been practicing for a little, almost five years, just short of five years. <laughs> and then, and so now at 18, at 18 years, I realize that I still have a lot to, to learn and get right, even though my body's falling apart quicker than I would like. <laughs> Yeah, well, unlike Stone Mountain, that mountain has no top on it. You just keep climbing it for as long as you can. Yep. Well, and, and, and still, it really is. Some people say you love it. I said, you know, it really is joy. And there's a huge difference between love and joy. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Joy. <laughs> and if you've met Joy, gosh, she's great. <laughs> I've got that joy, 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 joy. So, but, so, so you know, if, if I can do a little bit something, get a little bit better at it, you know, fine. I got I to I gotta keep moving because if I don't, well, then that's not going to help either. Yeah. No. Inertia is uh, the enemy at this point. Well, and <laughs> I, you know, like I, I said, I am Newton you, had it. You know, had you, it, Newton was dead on when he said, that, you know, a body at rest has a tendency to drink more beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, you you call it your enemy. I call inertia my friend, <laughs> a long, lifelong friend, in fact. Well, it's yeah. safe someone there I on can, the couch. <laughs> someone I can cuddle up to. And just keep a defibrillator handy. and Snuggle, you know. Maybe. <laughs> okay, this, this is a good one. He just said snuggle. <laughs> he just said snuggle. You know, and, maybe, maybe. And when he did, Big Al got that look on his face, so we might have to take a break here. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe nuzzle Inertia's ear a little bit. Okay. <laughs> he said Inertia snuggle man. during a martial arts podcast. Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. I like snuggle, that. snuggle, punch, and punch. Anyway, uh, I was promised uh, stir fry. Hey, well, yeah, you'll get snuggle fry in a minute. <laughs> I gotta go down and make the rice. I'm not right. even. Wait a minute. I'm not this, even entirely certain what snuggle fry is. But don't go there. You'll never right. want to see my snuggle fui, snuggle fui. <laughs> Wow. All right. <laughs> On that note, we're going to take a short break to regain our sanity, and we'll be back with the form versus function discussion topic. <laughs> Good. Can you say it faster? I can do anything. I can do anything. Here we go. New Prime Proton Mass Effect. 
lyrical oxidation. You're irrelevant, mass spectrograph, your electron volt, atomic energy erupting as I get all open on betatrons, gamma rays, thermal cracking, cyclotron, any and every mic you're on, transuranium, if y'all was uranium, molecules, spontaneous combustion, pow. Law of definite proportion gain, ink weight, I'm every element around. Lead, gold, tin, iron, platinum, zinc. When I wrap, you think iodine, nitrate, activate. Right, uranium. The only difference is I transmit sound. Balance with some balance, then you add a little talent in. Careful, careful with those ingredients. They can explode and blow up if you drop them and they hit the ground. Okay, we're back, folks. We're going to move along with our discussion topic now. And this is an interesting one because uh, everybody's got something to say about this, I think. <laughs> But uh, in general terms, we're going to talk form versus function. So let's start this off by defining our terms. What is a form? Kata. <laughs> well, does a form have to be a specific number of moves? No. A lot of people call them pinon, you, you know, and all that kind of stuff in Taekwondo and the other arts. I mean, you can have a short form that consists of literally one move or posture a lot of times in tai chi they'll call you know white spread uh white crane spreads wings as that form you know it could be a posture it could be a set of movements it could be right. 108 movements whatever so let's go ahead and agree just to keep the water from getting muddy here that uh when we talk about a form we're talking about a movement or series of movements repeated uh as in shadow boxing or shadow practices, exactly. As Lynn likes to call it. So, uh, so it's not list, limited to the. Let me throw this in. It's not limited to the traditional martial arts. You could have it even in, and a lot of people would disagree with me on this, but I would say you could have it even in BJJ and in a modern, you know, MMA type of uh, style thing. Granted, the idea of a form is usually done solo. Um, but you know, if you're working on reversals and you need somebody on top of you, that's great. Now it's a two man form, you know, it, or it could simply be that matter of how fast can you reach under your belly to grab that hand? You know, if you're, you're doing a wrestling move when you want to slip out, um, could be, you know, your rolls or whatever it might be. Well, right. it would be interesting to actually know which one came first. I mean, we always think that form should follow function. But the but Function and, and form first. obviously was created as a teaching tool. Yes. Right. In other words, we're going to set this choreography together so that you can actually start learning the system. You can start learning how to punch, kick, and what have you. And it would be really interesting. I mean, I know Alan Pittman thinks a lot of this simply came from ritual dance, and it probably does have a very strong part to that. But Ooh. the other part is is that where did it really? Which one begin? Did it really begin? Did you? that all these people learn how to fight and say, what's the easiest way for me to teach somebody? So it's just something for, for some later consideration that we right. might, it would be interesting to know if we could actually draw a line and say that form came first or function came well, what, first. No, I think it's and obvious it's function came first, happen. but what, right. uh, what is function? Let's, well, let's define fun, that. Function came, well, function is the ability to actually use a technique on another non-compliant, you know, opponent. So, uh, I think form, uh, one of the things form does really well, which is why I'm not a big fan personally of styles that are polyglot and just want to use 
this from here, that from there, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Kind of a, I don't want to malign Jeet Kune Do because that's a broad topic, but there are people within that that just think, well, you know, I've got this tactic over here from karate and I've got this tactic over here from boxing and I'm just going to mix all that together. Well, mix, if you do like that... Mixed martial arts? Well, which the, the every thing art is, is. Right, right. Uh, but the thing is, without some sort of structure, some sort of form structure, I think it's hard for people to learn the general body method, for lack of a better term. Like, you know, if, if your style depends on being rooted and, uh, and moving and being able to go low to the ground, well, you can't just get that practicing a smattering of techniques. You, you know, you need to have something that... Unless you take you one of those techniques over and, over and, and over practice and over and over and over and over, over. Yeah, right. make it a drill, make it a ooh a form. Well, <laughs> look at the basics of Shing I mean, we have the five fist, and look, they take split second to do. Right. I mean, they're just split very individual. Second. But if you don't put them together, if you don't put them in some type of linking form or some type of way, or with eventually within the animals, you don't have a form system. All you have is one particular exercise. So you look at it and go, oh. But the form at least does two things for me. Number one, it actually teaches me this principle to function routine, mm -hmm. but it also changes my body. It actually gives me the, the, the actual physical body changes. It lets me to get stronger, quicker, you know, more mobile, more agile. Well, I would right. assume that there's a disciplinary function too with the forms. I mean, as far as, as, far as something that you can do every day, repeatedly now we usually resort to spankings so. <laughs> <laughs> that's right no you're no i totally see what you're saying there and and it's true so uh, maybe we can all agree uh, on the point that forms are are not ne maybe not necessary but they're very no, they're useful useless. for <laughs> <laughs> for, yeah, you, for you building up that on the internet yeah for building up just simple uh cardiovascular health and agility Oh, yeah, it's a wonderful physical fitness program. To me, a form is something that if I didn't have a form, I would come to class each and every day and say, okay, uh, now we'll try this technique. Uh, now we'll try this technique. And now we'll try this technique. A form is, a, for me, it's a way that it en encapsulates all the knowledge of that system. Each form, you know, at least from my perspective, from a Northern Shaolin perspective, every form has a theme, you know. Mm -hmm. a, a gazillion or two movements in every form, but they all surround this this theme, this principle. And even though forms give me something now to teach them, I say, yes, this move comes after this move, which comes after this move. It doesn't mean I need you to do that when somebody's trying to take your wallet. It just is a way to put them all together. <laughs> it's a way to, to perhaps show them at Chinese New Year, at a demonstration, stuff like that. It's a wonderful... <laughs> Wonderful thing that, but you can you can take out the essential elements, you know, and practice them over and over and over with a partner, you know. Uh, but at the at the same time, and, and more importantly, what what Alan touched on was that body knowledge. Without a form, yeah, you can be a great fighter, but you you might not have that body knowledge that you might have a, a better spatial awareness than you did before, but you're not going to have that body knowledge. That helps you adapt and change sometimes. That I that yeah. I think. Well, anytime you learn something new, you to to make it effective and useful on the fly, you have to repeat that subroutine into your brain over and over and over again till it becomes subconscious. True. True. So right. forms are a good way to just 
you know, even without resistance, you're making the tactics that you want to use subconscious by repetition. True, but let me yeah. let me throw a hot poker in here and play devil's advocate um, for some of our listeners out there. Okay. Intensity. You know, yes, it's it's second nature for you in that Bagua class and Shingi class, Norn Shell and Kendo class, whatever it might be, but. Is it second nature for you to be jacked up and, and your wife being held at, at knife or, or whatever the, the martial situation is? You know, it's that, that hot pressure of flight or fight response mechanism. Right. How do you incorporate that into form work? Well, there's a gap between the two. <clears throat> Just having beautiful forms will not give you the ability to fight. I think we can all agree on that too. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> the uh, forms are pretty pretty. <laughs> yeah, well, they are. They can be. It's kind Have of you the seen same Southern idea. Mantis, though. I don't know. Never <laughs> like just because you know the theory behind something doesn't mean that you can actually apply that in a situation. Right. Well, theory. even it, even if you go beyond the theory and you have the movements down as shadow boxing, the 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 thought of somebody or the reality of someone trying to do something that you don't expect to. It's like, you know, you could, you could learn a form without any of the other stuff and perform it beautifully if you were a good enough athlete. But when somebody puts their arm where they're not supposed to, you can't use it as a step-by-step <laughs> guide to winning a fight, right? Exactly. <laughs> so how do you transfer form to functional ability? And not just function in the class. That's, I guess that's where I'm, where I'm going at, is that to me... Yes, a lot of people say, do you spar in your school? Some don't, some don't, some do. Okay, well, even if you're the best sparer in your class, how do you take that and apply the, the frightening situation of somebody coming up after you've had eight beers at your favorite concert, you know, and suddenly a knife's under your throat and is walking you to your ATM or perhaps into the back alley? That fear, that, oh, my God, and then turning it on. You know, I think all of us have experienced that once or twice, and it's very different than sparring in class. I, yeah. I've said it before. I'll say it again. No. <laughs> I really have it. Yeah, no, but you're the magnificent devil. Jay. You I don't really, need well, that. Well, here, Craig, here's how and you I, do that. I've lived in some horrible places, and I never have. No, yeah. Actually. Craig, you hang out in Midtown and be an asshole until somebody oh. decides to take <laughs> you up on it, and then you get to all practice. Right, so what we want to do is we're going to go to the biker bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and when we pull into the parking lot, we're going to bump that first bike and they're, they're all going to fall down <laughs> like dominoes. And then we're going to get out of the car and, you know, have mm-hmm. a little fun. Well, you know, and again, there's, there's so many different levels of violence and we go, how much can we really prepare for, True. Uh, you know, different levels. And, and when we actually talk about pure assaults, uh, you know, most, most violent attacks, people are not trying to fight you they want to they want, they you want to be your a victim stuff very quickly away. right they're yeah. going to surprise you they're going to attack you from behind it's, yeah uh, there there's uh, some great books out there but there's one that was written by a prison guard mm-hmm. and we was talking about even all his training still doesn't prepare him for you know some guy some guy smiling at him one second when he walks by and then all the next thing you know he's got a knife in his wrist mm-hmm. so hopefully what we can do is trained for that 95% of all the other stuff in our life, like messing up with your brother-in-law. You know? <laughs> right. so, 
or having some punk kid who's half exactly. drunk and just you know, wants to you look know, big. Some and, guy yeah. comes to the Christmas party and he runs his mouth, <laughs> and Dave oh, tells boy. him, "Stop it, stop it!" And then you see his legs go up over his head, Folks. and you hear this thud on the <laughs> ground. Of, and uh, Dave said, "Stop a it!" A lot of stop these jokes actually have real life stories behind them. So, you know, we'll I get mean, around the, to them. That stuff, that stuff actually needs to happen. So. There was something that Craig said earlier again about principle. I mean, there's there's the old classics, and I think it actually comes out of Salat, that says one application gives you one martial technique, but one principle gives you a thousand techniques. Exactly. Yeah. So it, that's why we, you know, and everybody, you know, you'll hear the MMA guys going, all that form stuff doesn't mean anything. Well, it works for us. It's a way to get this idea... And sometimes when I'm doing the forums, I break them down and I want to make them very martial. I'm hitting heavy bags. I'm doing something. You know, the reason I started teaching so I could grab somebody so I could get somebody to pay me money, I could beat on them. It gave me an opportunity to be able to work on stuff that I hadn't figured out as yet. True. Yeah. But that's something we're trying to learn is how to bridge that gap because the MMA guys have that one advantage that we don't have, which they're their whole game is about going at it the entire time. Right. You know, and, and we have sections of classes or perhaps special classes where we do that. But we're not going at it all the time. But then we have an advantage over the MMA guys where we learn a lot more principle. We learn a lot more extra stuff. You know, but find bridging that gap of turning well, the pressure cooker on. I think uh, one of the first steps, and, and Big Al touched on this, is – you can't just do the forms. You need to take those tactics, and you start out by going and finding a heavy bag or having somebody hold a kicking shield. It's like you can throw that punch in the air a thousand times, but until you actually make contact with something, it's still a fairy tale, right? Oh, yeah. So you start there, you hit something, so you test power there, and then you go back and you do applications or two-man you know, work with a, with a partner to get the sensitivity, the timing, the distance, and everything, but you don't get to follow through with that, <laughs> or your student base or your friends to practice with would dry quickly up pretty drop. quickly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and beyond that, really, I mean, you know, it's, it's funny because if you talk about translating a traditional martial art into effective fighting skill, really – Sport is not the way to go with that because if you go sport, yes, you'll get a lot more hands-on, you'll get a lot more contact, and you will get better, but you're going to start playing to the game. Whereas the game that you're trying to learn a traditional self-defense martial art for is not the sport. It's the how do I flatten this guy and get the hell out of here kind of game. So you True, know, but you granted, I don't think you're saying and, that and the, be, the sport of martial game. arts, you know, can't handle the street. No, uh, no, no. That's yeah. not what I'm saying at all. But you you do as far as just a traditional perspective, you the more time you spend in a ring under rules, the more you're Ingrained abilities to will, to those rules, will right. work to those rules. So you may lose some of the stuff that you've trained because you overwhelm it with what's going to work and in this circumstance. And that's part of the problem we have when we actually want to try to spar within our craft. Is sparring can develop some bad habits. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, we're pulling punches. punches. We're trying yes. not to. And when the idea is we, we don't know, I want you to complete the whole punch. I want your full energy in that. And like you said, we go through students pretty rapidly. Right. Nobody would be able to come back. I mean, mm-hmm. I got my bell rung by my buddy Tom several right. times this week because we were, I mean, and Missy was sitting back going, you guys don't hold back. <laughs> and I 
glad to say I got to put a whole forearm right across his jaw. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> so I got one. He got ten hits, and I got one. Yeah. So, so the point being, you wonder why, why I, I drink the tequila we're before we do this. <laughs> you know, and that's I was kidding Tom. I said, you know, Dave never does this sober, and I don't think we should either. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the other part of it is, is there is a fine balance. But how do you mix this up? How do we do our quote unquote one step sparring in class? Right. To be able to give somebody the ability to have some basic skills. Mm -hmm. I teach very aggressive, especially compared to Pittman. He's going to the outside. He's, 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 he's waiting for you to mess up so he just pulls the rug out from under. Right. I'm just going for the whole rug. You know, we're just going to attack. We'll roll right you up in it like back. a burrito and beat yeah, you with a just, baseball bat. Exactly. And smoke you later. You know, <laughs> you know, just come through. So there is this fine balance. And what I generally do, and I'm going to probably have to stop, but I generally allow my students to beat on me a hell of a lot more than let them beat on each other. Uh, yeah. I oh, teachers take too. way more abuse yeah. than their you students know, so ever do. The whole do. thing is, is that this way, you know, you go back. I don't have to worry. I'm coming back. Y'all are paying me the money to get beat up. You know, instead of you right. being paying the money to get beat up, but you gotta hit somebody. You know, somebody's got to go every once in a while. You know, I love Harold to death. He's big. He's tall. Sometimes he just wants to muscle in, and I go, "It's my class." Bam! There you go. <laughs> so you have to, you know, I'm the, I'm the alpha male here today. I may not be the alpha males in a year from now, but today. Well, it's something else that that I would give uh, kind of kudos to form work is this aspect of, you know, regardless of, of how big the form is, pluck a movement out, whether it's simple block and punch. You know, that's the easiest thing anybody can, can understand, a simple block and a punch. And something you can do with form work that you can't do uh, with function is, let's say you got uh, a, a Saturday done or a Saturday free and you're going to take 100 reps. You divide that 100 into 10. You've got 10 reps of 10. And what do those 10 mean? You can take one set of those and do nothing but slow and heavy. The next 10 could be super fast and light. The next, heavy, the next set, you know, you could use weights on your arms and, and just try to feel, you know, this sounds cheesy, but just try to feel the air on your skin as you move, the sensitivity, in other words, trying to feel when something needs to be changed. You know, there's lots of different ways you can practice it. And after you practice it in that manner for quite a while, you can change up. You can feel things that you can't really get from working off of a partner. Off of a partner, yeah, you feel the other human, but not what's going on inside your own body. Yeah, you're you know? focused on them and trying not to Exactly, <laughs> to, get, to get your jaw jacked. Right. You know? And like yeah. I said, you can, you can take that same exercise, you can focus on a different body part, on a different mm -hmm. consciousness of your body part. How, how are my elbows and knees? Because I tell everybody in class, we simply do it by the season. Mm -hmm. So splitting is fall. fall Drilling metal. is winter. Mm -hmm. We're coming into crushing. All I do is say that everything's <laughs> going to have this crushing aspect in spring. Yeah. Everything's going to have this aspect to it. So but, it's just a way to be able to tie that together. To, together? Ooh, together. Together. Awesome. <laughs> together. So, uh, by, by the way, I think my favorite phrase this week is, we're coming I mean, into, into crushing. crushing. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than we're crushing into coming. Roll yeah, off me, gone. Big Al. You're crushing my cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Danny. <laughs> So uh, the, the, 
the whole point being is that Kano and Yoshiba. Jigoro and uh, Both Moreno. came from the exact same arc. Kano made it a... Or what was whatever. that, Taekwondo? He no. made it actually no. No. a sport in Judo. And Oshiba made it a spiritual art. Right. So there's the other aspect of our art that I actually like to do with now that I've gotten so many years in this and I'm not so much work, work, you know, wanting to open a big can of whoop-ass, yeah. is that I actually do the forms without thinking about any martial aspect to it at all. Yeah, there's definitely that so aspect. So I just want to go through it, and it, if you want to call it dance, well then. You and know, that's where it reconnects with dance. And you look. Know, so we just have, I have this idea that it gives me this movement. It's probably the only time I'm going to look graceful. Right. <laughs> and I know I don't look graceful, but, you know, it's okay. I feel pretty. Yeah. That's well, one of the great, great things I think about forms is that you can take it to that level. You can't do that if you're fighting off somebody. Yeah, it's really you know, hard. It's really hard to do a, a four count shadow boxing routine and think about oh, where's my Nirvana at today. Yeah, I mean, with with solo work, you can you can work on you know building your lung power, your breathing. If you're used to be a smoker or still are, and you yeah, need to you know you need to work on your your cardio or whatever, you can do that with form work. Yes, you'll get tired from working with a partner. But with a solo thing, you can also then change the focus and switch it up to, I want to make stronger legs. Yeah, I can get a workout from doing my forms simply by dropping my height down and staying at that level. Or, you know, uh, perhaps working on your speed. Different aspects of it that you can't really do with a partner. With a partner, you're worried on not getting hit and taking them down, you know? Right. One last thing we should touch on here, probably, and we were talking about this a little while ago off mics, was, uh, and uh, Alan Pittman mentioned it in the interview we did with him, is forms as a cultural currency. For instance, uh, while uh, Alan and I, Big Al, and I were up in uh, Wisconsin for a, a load of shoe seminar, the guy that was hosting it, uh, Nelson Ferrer, was a, a Shaolin guy. So I've done a lot of Shaolin. So I could walk in the door and we talk, you know, and it's all, yeah. Oh, you know, everybody's Good. very coy. But I, I did Liam Bouchuan real quick. Right. And, okay, it's like we're brothers. Yeah, yeah. Very you know? good point. You don't need to sit there and fight the guy out to realize, hey, we're kind of cousins in the same system or whatever. You know, we right. know. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Plus, actually, Lowe said it. George Kennedy has said it about Aikido is that the knowledge has shifted. It's no longer in Taiwan. It's no longer. It may. It, it's here. talking about in the United States now. Oh, yeah. yeah. So kid, Lowe said kids don't go out and do this stuff anymore. The kids don't go out and do Kung it's Fu It's Wushu Taiwan. or MMA they're in their, or They're on their computer. They're doing something else. Yeah. You know, and George Kennedy said with Aikido that the, the knowledge is not in Japan anymore. And the old boxers there don't want to listen to these great-grandchildren who are running the associations. It's not a, a term of disrespect. It's just that now that the forms, as long as the forms stay intact, that then, then it's the fossil record. Yeah, you can always go back and reinvent the muscle and bone and our ancestors. Mm -hmm. And in Shingy, we have illustrious ancestors. They were highwaymen. They were, you know, thieves. <laughs> I was a highwayman. You know, prisoners. They're you know, they bounty yeah. hunters. They were caravan operated. I mean, bodyguards and caravan guards. And so, you know, they, we come from a long, distinguished history of a bunch of thugs. Yeah, <laughs> and we're carrying on that family tradition. I feel sorry for you. For us, it was nothing but princes and kings. But you know, yeah, yeah. they walked on water 
Yeah, true. All right. Well, I think we've <laughs> we've done a pretty good job covering form versus function here. Uh, basically, I think the bottom line is from a traditional martial arts perspective, you need them both. Before we cut, I think I may have the solution. I may have figured it out. The perfect oh, way Lord. to bridge the gap. Right? Okay. Oh, okay. Oh. Bear with me. It involves Craigslist. Oh, dear. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think as far as finding people that you can really just seriously good beat up on, right? You turn it into a men seeking men ad. <laughs> oh boy! People will answer M4M. these ads, and you will find people who are willing to do tons of fucked up shit on Craigslist. Well, didn't, didn't some guy in Germany get a guy off Craigslist that allowed him to eat him or something what? like that? Yeah. yeah, no, there's all kinds of fucked up stories about that. Uh, okay. <laughs> My name's Craig, but I don't visit yeah. the list. Hey, we, no we, don't, we don't want to eat you. We just want to beat you. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to meet hey, you. Now, this is a good idea. I think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because, you know, again, and, you know, this whole art, I tell people, don't it knock them the on lotion the ground. On we might skin. not be done hitting you yet. Else it gets the hose again. That's so. right. <laughs> so. All right. Well, uh, let's uh, go ahead and move along into the news segment. Oh, wait a minute. Did you actually have to bring a computer to read off of? You need to print that out. Wasting paper, baby. Oh, Dude, I already paper. printed I it out. Here. I printed out you two keep copies. Print, Craig printed it out. <laughs> I just like working off my pewter box here. All right, pewter. News, news, news. What's new with you, <laughs> Gary Gnu? All right. Last night, folks, today is what? Uh, February 26th, I believe. I was pulling Saturday? up your theme music, but it's too late now. Just keep going. Oh, yeah. way to go. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Oh, he totally blew it. There it is. We'll fall back on that one again. All right. Kermit the Frog here. Hi ho and such. Hi ho. So today's, I think, uh, the 26th. Last night was 25th. And as you UFC fans know, last night was UFC 144. Woohoo! Yes, indeed. And uh, just to keep you out of suspense, at this point in time, I think most of you guys already know this, but Ben Henderson well, spoiler alert. won. <laughs> ben Henderson won. Uh, the UFC was held in Japan for the first time since the uh, year 2000. Uh, it was held in Saitama, Japan. Uh, ben Henderson won the lightweight division. Uh, with an effective all-around attack, and uh, within the second round, he had a pretty decent uh, heel kick uh, from the prone position. Ended up bloodying up his uh, Edgar, if you will, Frankie Edgar's uh, face and nose. Wait, I thought they weren't allowed to do up kicks. Well, evidently they were because oh, wait, he the did UFC so. is. There's so many of these different groups Channels doing this stuff. Yeah, yeah. It used to be only UFC, and now it's like quite a few different ones, man. But yeah, he won it, and uh, he was he. <clears throat> this is for the lightweight. The guy was kind of, kind of underweight and whatnot. But uh, he even made a point in all the interviews I've heard thus far that he wanted to use his size to his advantage, uh, and just come on attacking the entire time. And he did so with you know awesome uh, results. Obviously, <clears throat> I love I love it. It's it's so it's such a a. a modern gladiatorial you know thing like i know where do you go from here you give them weapons i guess yeah pretty much a net and a trident yeah oh no oh no they need sammo hong with his (laughs) shaking the fist thing now interestingly enterestingly enough uh about a week and a half ago also in japan 
Um, we had GSP, uh, George's, I, sorry, I'm not from Canada, don't speak French, don't know how to do this, but George's St. Pierre uh, took a visit. He, if you don't know, he's the welterweight champion uh, in the UFC currently. He took a visit out to Japan, you know, he wanted to see the uh, the match that was held last night, and uh, he ended up taking a visit to a few different schools in Japan, um, most notably the Kawaii kindergarten school uh, where the kids uh, taught him a bit about how to hold a katana, a Japanese uh, curved sword, and uh, some basic uh, katas in kinjutsu, the art of the sword. Uh, the interesting thing is I was turned on to this story by ESPN. They have their own UFC channel. Um, and wow. the reason I, I find this interesting is that the 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 author of this article mentioned that GSP went to the birthplace of hand-to-hand combat <laughs> in Tokyo. That's I'm the main sorry, reason that I wanted to bring up this story. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There, there could have been much more qual- qualifiers to that statement, you know, and I tried to comment on the article, but it wouldn't let me. And, no, no, I thought that true. was when Abel pissed off his brother Kane. <laughs> I, I, I think so. I think so. I, I mean, it didn't even say Asian martial arts, Japanese martial arts. I don't know. But evidently, for y'all who were wondering, all of hand-to-hand combat, Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. I somehow suspected. Yeah, I think you should have. I really did, actually. They got those cool cartoons. Well, you know, shit, it probably. actually makes sense now if you think about it. No, it no, doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> uh, I was just overruled. <laughs> overruled. Overruled. Shifting yeah. gears slightly, Cape Town, South Africa. That's a shift. That is a big shift. Probably better oriented to the birthplace I, of hand-to-hand yeah, hand combat. I was going to say, yeah, it's more than likely that came out of Africa. But, but they had an interesting uh, thing happen there recently. It looks like Kung Fu is, is useful for more than just forms and fighting. Uh, it's also useful for escaping the law for two years and hopping from country to country to country. Yes. For those who are big into uh, protesting things and whatnot, I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. Young man by the age of Xiong Chang Sun, a kung fu instructor in South Africa, uh, back in 2008 got jacked up for, for holding... Uh, 9,113 kilograms of illegal ivory. Um, what that means is he was poaching and killing, you know, various animals and whatnot and keeping the ivory tusks. That's a lot of tusks. Yeah. That, that's a, that's that pales into comparison to what happened recently. Back in 2008, he was arrested and his passport was taken into custody. He was not allowed to leave for three years. He had to report into his probation officer once a week up until this very day. Evidently, somebody was reporting to his probation officer, but it was not him. For they found he's been back to China mainland where he was born approximately seven times since then. <laughs> I stepped out of that circle three times <laughs> while you weren't watching. <laughs> indeed, indeed. But he had a partner, and uh, recently they, they caught him uh, at, with 70000 Dollars uh, worth of ivory, along with cell phones, laptops, foreign currency, and your usual type of thing. There are 
all over Facebook, these uh, anti-ivory and be kind to animals and whatever protest groups you want to come up with uh, that are just raging over it with the slogan, jail, not bail. In short, it looks like this guy knew how to kung fu. He really did. <laughs> knew how to kung fu. Exactly. That's where I was going with that. He should have just gone to jail. He could have practiced his techniques. What, what, was, what was the website? It was something like Saving Private Rhinos. Bingo. Like SavingPrivateRhino.org. <laughs> and if you're, if you're on Facebook, which pretty much all of you are, just look up Saving Private Rhino. There's a group yeah, and there's they're a on Facebook, Facebook too, and all like that. Like everyone yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know why I'm smiling. Because you're going to save see my your private hands. rhino. Oh, no, <laughs> you know why I'm smiling. Why yeah, is yeah. that? Because this week's degenerate martial arts instructor didn't touch children. Hey, Bingo. <laughs> so far as we know. <laughs> but yeah. This, After many tears now, were shed over the He's not done previous... with the news yet, but if, <laughs> if we can make it through one show without one of those stories. Well, actually, right. you know, I made a very good point of avoiding those stories not to say there weren't any there are quite a few every day unfortunately we're, but we're i made a point of saving those for next yeah time. yeah we're, we're okay. just not going to tell you about them this week so clearly that's right we're going to save up week. and give you about a dozen in a row so you, <laughs> you want to go home and die now we've had enough for the previous two episodes wash your hands and so switching take, take gears yet again we actually have some some good positive news in the world of martial arts Nanuet, New York. Um, yeah, it took me a while to figure out how to say that city, too. But they got good on martial arts, and they partnered up with Big Brothers and Big Sisters uh, groups. And there's a local school called Evolution Taekwondo and Kickboxing who's partnered up with the Big Brothers and the Big Sisters, offering free lessons on Saturday afternoons. Um, and I think we can all kind of learn from that that, you know, not all kung fu kids and karate guys want to just Touch little children. No, they actually want to do some good. Sometimes with they actually arts. help them out. Yo, bravo to them. <laughs> bravo. You know, hey. there, there, there. Uh, the, the, uh, a martial arts school. The name Evolution would you can that is clearly in the north. That would never go over down here. Oh, There'd yeah. be too many people. <laughs> Evo, Evo, Evolution. Yeah. Oh we no! We don't believe in that. <laughs> We're touching by. Oh, he's trying to get me started. He's trying to get me started. I don't, I don't believe in your martial arts school. <laughs> all right, all right. Let me get this one last story out, y'all. <laughs> well, we could also have Father Murphy's martial arts school. <laughs> yeah, that, that doubles your chances of being abused. <laughs> oh, you will get beaten. I promise you that. <laughs> All right, on my last story, which will soon, probably next couple episodes, switch over to the media mop-up, I hope. Uh, there's a new movie called Nunchucks. Yes, <laughs> Nunchucks. Dragon Chin, who you may remember from uh, our first episode, uh, has been working with uh, Neo or uh, Keanu Reeves on a uh, new movie, The Man of Tai Chi or Tai Chi Man, something like Wait, that. Wait, was he... He was Ted. Okay, that that's yeah. I, yes, I, I, I was trying. I couldn't no, remember wait. for a second there if he was Bill or Ted. No, he was Ted Theodore Logan. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Just, Glad we cleared that up. <laughs> <laughs> Nunchucks? Wasn't that the Texas it is. Chainsaw Massacre meets a singing nun? I don't know, but it sounds like a good movie. I'd like to Nunchucks? see. Not. Nunchucks? Oh. Nunchucks? Nunchucks? Nothing at yeah. me. <laughs> So yeah, Dragon Chin, who starred in The Matrix and obviously starring in uh, Keanu Reeves' uh, new movie, 
is going to be starring and directing in this new movie. Dragon has experience in JKD or Jeet Kune Do, Taekwondo, and Wing Chun. Uh, he's also uh, done quite a bit of action choreography and helped out there. This movie uh, is said to pay tribute to Bruce Lee's action style, his fighting style, and his spirit. So far, uh, out in Germany, they've already won a, uh, an award for uh, something. Uh, I can't remember what it was. But <laughs> it's been praised Best for Best title. <laughs> yeah. Most horrible None jokes. Uh, for a Chinese movie. Uh, you know, remember Chinese New Year, Chuck? Never mind, not even going there. But uh, innovative action and emotional drama. Oh, you've hit me, and now I cry. Uh, so listen out for a review of this movie from Dave, who will hold, you know, have no holes barred on this one. Looking forward to it. Wait, so, so it's meant to, to, cap- to capture Bruce Lee's... Fighting style fighting and emotion. And spirit. It's pro- you know, it, if you it, close it, your eyes and, and go to this movie, it's probably going to sound like two cats fucking. What's that? <laughs> Wait, is, is, it, is, is it also... Is it also meant to capture the bad camera angles and unexciting fight scenes? I should hope so. And if... if <laughs> hopefully they'll get a little bit of Chuck in there, too. I, I think... Bruce's last movie had a little Chuck in there, and you need a little Chuck for yeah. none Chuck yeah. or no Chuck so. at all. But yeah, they're uh, releasing the movie March second in China, and hopefully one day in the USA we'll get it, and uh, well, we'll be the, doing some reviews on that. Thanks to the magic of the internet, I, su- I suspect you can probably find it now if you know where. Oh, yeah, heresy, And that's the news. You don't need subtitles when they're shooting people. No. (laughs) Or do you need it for my sexy little girl singing and dancing out there? Yes, that was Japanese, so it must be the villain. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you figure it's a Chinese movie. A popcorn movie of epic proportions. Fresh, exciting, and original. An avalanche of ass kicking. Beyond awesome. Legend. 
谢谢。Now that movie is nothing but testosterone, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea what happened right there because I couldn't see the video. I did. I've seen that movie. God, I want to see that movie. But I tell you what, there was a lot of kicking and killing. Mm -hmm. Well, the beauty of this is, you folks listening at home and you folks sitting in this room with me, if you got Netflix streaming, and again, we don't get any money from them, (laughs) but uh, (laughs) it sure is a good resource for martial arts flicks right now. Old and new. So uh, the reason I put this out here, this is Legend of the Fist, which is one of Donnie Yen's recent movies. He's been on a spate of these things, and God, the guy must be pushing fifty. Is but he? he looks great. He moves great, and uh, probably that movie. While it tail. sounded like a full-out like testosterone fest, it's actually I've seen it, and it's actually a decent period piece. Too. Yes, it is. I have seen it too, dude. It's I'm a got big a fan good budget. There's. Good acting. I mean, it's, you know, uh, for, for, for a martial arts film. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not Lawrence of Arabia. But the... Uh, <laughs> Lawrence of Arabia wasn't even Lawrence of Arabia, man. No, he was actually Lawrence, Kansas. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> the, uh, I'm, I'm just... I'm not going to do an in-depth review of any of this stuff. Again, like I said last time, this is not a movie podcast. No, but at the same time, I mean... But it, let me just run down what you can see... Streaming on Netflix now from Donnie Yen. You got Ip Man 1, Ip Man 2, both of which are decent movies, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you got Legend of the Fist, uh, Bodyguards and Assassins, which was kind of a piece of crap. But uh, actually, no, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> also, he's got an older career stuff, Tiger Cage and Tiger Cage 2. Anybody remember those? <laughs> those I do not. Tiger Cage was actually an early movie directed by Yun Wu Ping. Oh, and surprisingly, the movie is not all about the fight choreography. It tries to be a gritty, sort of hard-boiled style John Wooey hmm. type of film. I think. How's you know, it come compared to that? It does pretty well. It's kind of you know this is a, an '80s uh, Hong Kong movie, so um, they there's actually a lot of graphic gunshots in that movie. Nice. Like people get shot in the head and blood spraying everywhere, which is not nice. what you normally see. How's the gunplay action though, compared to a Wu? It's okay, but it's not as stylized right. as John Wu or anything, but there's, there's some good stuff in there and it's, it's kind of a weird movie. It's all of those movies back then. Like, listen, if you watch tiger cage, listen for the American movie soundtrack themes that they stole oh, and put no. in their movie <laughs> it's nice. got a couple of good ones in there well do you have any women in prison movies uh yeah yeah that's on another link that's on the whole <laughs> that's on the whole movie disc yeah, uh if yeah. you're an mma fan they've got flashpoint on there uh which uh actually has him focusing on his more mma style fight routines uh and the the final fight in that is a pretty punishing one nice <clears throat> So, you know, again, for MMA fans, you might want to check that out. Kill Zone. Look, I could go on and on. Donnie Yen is uh, evidently a hot property on uh, uh, Netflix right now. So get out there if you're not familiar with them and check out some of these movies. The newer ones are actually uh, high production value, uh, decently plotted, well acted, lots of good supporting actors, and uh, the action does not disappoint. And if you're, you know, a fan of the old school, then pick oh, a few yeah. of those up too because they have their own certain special charm. Oh yes. <laughs> and uh, the CEO of Netflix, Dave Jones, is available for her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, frankly, I, I'm I'm angling for a sponsorship. Honestly, like, oh, they should so sponsor yeah, us. Totally. This is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> but I gotta say, just to pipe back in uh, towards the original movie, you mentioned Chen Jin. Mm-hmm. Um, 
That's a very interesting movie. I didn't think, you know, I'm not sure what I was looking for when I first sat down to watch it. Because it's a remake of a of a story that's been made over and over yeah, and over, Bruce starting Lee did, with and Bruce. My favorite yeah. version was Fist Jet of Legend, Lee, yeah, yeah, with Jet Li. But I gotta say, it was cool because they took a completely different angle with it. Mm-hmm. You get to see different aspects of the story, the real story. Yeah, the politics of the age, yeah. and because it's it's ba- I mean, it's one of those that's based off of true legend. You know, because right. things did go down, but the movies are going to make them different. But uh, it, it was a pretty cool take. I really yeah. liked it. And you get a whole new version of the whole, you know, uh, revenge, boy and job. Yeah. You know, going into the karate school and just beating them all to a pulp. Yes, indeed. Yes, Which is indeed. always entertaining. But this one does have a different twist on it. It doesn't. Well, the beginning like it. of it, you're like, yeah. am I really watching a foo movie? Until he starts flying around and kicking ass across. The, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a little element of black mask in there. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, it's, it's a interesting movie. So, yeah, start cool. with that one. All right, folks, let's uh, move it along. We've uh, pretty much uh, covered all our bases here tonight, I think. You know, there, there is one thing I wanted to, uh, <clears throat> to bring up and uh, while we've got, you know, the, the four of us sitting here. Um, I was just reflecting yesterday after having to be a performing monkey at work when they found out I did martial arts. So, you know, I, I have a part-time night job where, you know, I do bar backing and stuff right now because I'm staying at home with, yeah, <laughs> I stay at home with the kid all day. Would you say? <laughs> <laughs> it's on now. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, somehow the word got out there. Oh, you do martial arts and stuff, right? And and one of the guys was asking me, and I, I try to just keep that in my back pocket. I don't want to fool that, you know. But I'm, I'm the oldest guy working there. I'm only the guy that owns a joint, right? It's like being a superhero. You got to keep your secret identity secret. Well, some guy was, yeah. So some guy was asking, oh, my knee's been hurting me, you know, off and on and stuff like that. I'm like, well, you know, have you seen a physical? Oh, I don't have any money. I'm like, well, you could try some stance work because that, you know, it, it really helps with the tendon insertion points as opposed to the Stabilization muscle bellies. It helps, what, yeah, no. stabilize those joints. He's like, oh, what are you talking about? So I showed him a horse stance mm. and they were aghast. <laughs> and they were all trying to do it and nobody they were sticking their butts out and they you know i sat right. there for five minutes in a nice flat horse while they attempted <laughs> and, and you know they're like oh good god man what is that? you know how does an old guy I hope, like I, you? I hope i could do that when i'm as old as you are yeah right. no shit <laughs> and then i had to show them how to do it on one leg <laughs> just, to, just to fuck with them oh boy but um how do, how do you guys feel about uh being found out <laughs> oh, very nice. You know, and that's something that I, you know, I, you know, I, I never advertise it. It's something yeah. I don't even bring up. I've had friends that I've known for thirty years, and they go, "You boxed, right? Yeah. You're in you martial arts." <laughs> and I go, "I keep it quiet." And I had one student that, no, oh, we won't mention his name, but he was the type of guy that he'd be standing in the grocery store line, and after two minutes, everybody in line knew that he did some type of martial arts. Oh yeah, and I never <laughs> understood that. I mean, to me, I carry a gun concealed. Exactly. And the reason <laughs> I carry a point. gun concealed is that I don't want you to know that I have it. And I don't want you to know that I have, whether I have any skills or not, but I don't want you to know I have it until you're bleeding across the forehead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, the, I think the interesting play, too, is being a teacher and trying to market, trying to get new students, and mm. then yet being the martial artist trying to keep this whole thing, you know, 
I'm not asking to get into trouble. Well, like thing. this wasn't a circumstance. I was at work. I know these people. Right. They're nice exactly. people. I wasn't worried about them. You know. Picking a fight with me because it changes the way they think about you. Yeah, and if nothing else, like you, you know, the next day I come in and and Javi's talking to Nasario, the dishwasher. He's like, "Do that thing you did. Do that thing you did." You know, and then it's like you're a dancing monkey. Oh yeah, okay. Let me do my fancy thing for you here. How about this one? You like this? You know, and it's not going to get me students. He's really a good dancing monkey too. He truly is. You can't just say no. You can. Uh, you can yeah, just but, say. You know, I know, but then you're gonna feel work, like a dick. You got all those no. Once they find out, kids. you have to yeah. show them something that you know you can do well. Yeah. Okay. Because otherwise, you're gonna be in their mind the karate guy. Right. <laughs> okay. And when I say that, if you're a karate guy, <laughs> I'm still a karate guy to my mom. <laughs> well, I don't. There's your karate coming. <laughs> if you're a karate person out there who does karate, and we're not saying that that that's a bad thing. We actually mean it to mean that guy, right. you know, more like fist foot way. Yeah, that guy. Okay, man. yeah. All that shit. My shirt's still tucked in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that guy. That's what they're thinking of. Kind of the you know doesn't really know so much. Is not really that good of a fighter, but you know is, is the retard in the seventies outfit. You know, ah, yeah. you know that 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 kind of. Thing. Yeah. So. Any other thoughts on that? Somebody step on a duck? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, but I'm starting to smell duck. (laughs) Well, no, and and again, I just don't, like I said, I just want to keep it quiet. Now, there's a difference. We had a lady come up to us today in the park. Now, this is coming from a guy who wears a Kung Fu t-shirt everywhere he goes. I got a Bruce Lee shirt. What are you talking about? I got a Bruce Lee shirt. It's either either a bright pink shirt or a a martial arts shirt. I wear that Bruce Lee shirt, and people come out of the woodwork. And I have two people. There's one person to go, I loved Bruce Lee. And all the rest of them goes, I hate Bruce Lee. Hmm. But it's amazing. I can wear that shirt and I get four or five people come up to me every time I wear it. So I'm, I bought two more. There you go. <laughs> well, listen, <laughs> let me give you an example to, that basically sums up how I to answer your direct question, Dave. Um, last night or, or yesterday, uh, we had to go to Ampai's friends and, and they have kids and, and we had to do that whole thing all day it was you know ungodly annoying anyway um just to to uh be sociable with you know with myself they come up umpires already told them that uh, umpires my wife uh is told them that i'm into martial arts and all that and then they come up and you got to address these questions and they're they're annoying because there's somebody who who has no idea about the martial arts and they say Oh, I understand. You do that Shaolin stuff. That's like the monk stuff. I heard that one last night. I also heard... Now, okay, what is it that you do that's different from Bruce Lee? I swear to God, I heard that. Okay. It, not I, much. I, yeah. <laughs> not much, except... I'm just trying not to die. <laughs> oh. And so oh, that's one of those sorry. situations that, yeah, on one side, I wanted, I would have loved to the conversation to go gone another way so I could say, yeah, send your little brother to me and I'll teach him. And on the other aspect, the way the conversation did go, no, I really would have preferred they didn't know. So, yeah, even, you know, taking out the, the concept of, oh, you know karate? Check this out, punk. No, even from that other aspect of social awkwardness, you know, so, it's, so, it can be. There, there's tricky. the aspect of, of sheer irritation, apparently. Yes, yes, there is. <laughs> I get people all the time that say, oh, "What do you do? What is it again? Is it Tai Chi?" I just say, "Yeah." <laughs> 
Well, it's not worth trying to explain. Well, that's it. People will come up. How often we get people all the time, you know, or different periods will come up because we practice outdoors in a park. Yeah. I had a woman come out of nowhere today. She walked up. She stood. We were closing. She stood there, and I stopped and said, hi, I'm you know, Alan. Can I help you? And she goes, will you take beginner? And I go, yeah. She goes, I'm out of shape. I go, no problem. And so she goes, do you know what we're doing? She goes, I haven't a clue. All right, great. Here's my card. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's even better. That's a good one. This yeah. is easy. I, I can teach her. I don't want somebody to come up and go, oh, man, I know this and I know that. Because there's always that little thing in the back of their of head. Of course. But, that's why, yeah, no, I mean, a... as Dave knows, when I used to hop around from school to school here in Atlanta, uh, I never let any of the teachers know I had any prior no, experience. He was super no, and it was obvious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they, they didn't see it either. Well, uh, they, yeah. you know, I was I tried to keep it on the DL, but I, I showed up early for uh, for one of Alan Pittman's classes when I was first learning from him, and to just warm up, I was doing Tontoy in the field oh, yeah. there at the park. And uh, he was creeping around. He, he caught around. Well, he would come walking over. He lived nearby, so he would just yeah. kind of sidle up from behind a tree. Hey, there he is. <laughs> and he's like, oh, that's 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 good. That's good time toy. Where'd you learn that? And I said, oh, Craig Keesling. And he goes, Craig? <laughs> Craig knows this stuff? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You are yeah, a super ninja with your skills, buddy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because, like you were saying, Alan, that uh, you know, there's there's impressions you know created. You don't want somebody to come to you and be like, "I know all this." You know, I have this all. That's a whole half full, half empty. You know, type yeah. Thing. But here's the other side. Okay, my wife calls me Honey Bunny, <laughs> and we're in class, and she calls me Honey Bunny in front of these all my students, and I go, "Honey, I'm trying to teach these guys how to." kill other people it doesn't look good on my resume <laughs> yeah. uh, you'll always so be i'm actually bunny thinking cows. i'm gonna start a brand new school that's gonna be called honeybunnykungfu.com there you go <laughs> oh you wear that exact outfit you're wearing now with a salmon pink shirt and the track pants oh boy and some pink bunny ears and i think you've got a saleable commodity all right, folks, we basically just threw a second discussion topic in there. Yes, we did. <laughs> We're having too much fun. I want, I want to thank you again for coming out, uh, Big Al, Mr. Alan Carroll. Uh, you want to tell people if anybody uh, wants some shingy classes or anything like that, where, where, where can you be contacted? Well, you can reach us. We're at the uh, National Academy of Kung Fu. and uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> We're located at Glen Lake Park just off the square in, the, in Decatur, Georgia. We got classes on Saturday morning at 8.30. They last till 10. We got classes on Saturday morning from 10 to 11.30. Gets you in time to get back to church. Yeah. So Sunday we, uh, for that second one. And Sunday, sooner yes. or later, we'll actually start adding a couple of classes during as the weather gets better and we get spring here. And the, you know, we'll it's coming. Something during the week. So, uh, you know, if you get a chance. And, of course, we have our website, you know, pavsatlanta.org. Org. So, you know, if you get a chance to come on by and remember, I, you know, I'm not master, I'm not grandmaster, but I don't mind being called God Emperor every once in a while. <laughs> I like to call him Daddy Master myself. I like to call him Honey Bunny. Or if you're, if, you're a, if you're a very attractive female and not my wife, you can call me Honey Bunny. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, that's it for another episode of Hiya. Hiya. Well, I guess that's all, folks. <laughs> yes, sir. At the end, should we say see ya? 
Seiya! Seiya! 